The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Ling Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoit with United Country Realty, the Law Office of David A. Bates, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Tennessee Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yow. Welcome into another edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Five minutes past the nine o'clock hour here on a Tuesday. We welcome in our friends from WZYX over in Franklin County. We also welcome in Mo Patton. JP Plants with us here on the controls. Mo, good morning. Good morning. It uh, it ought to be illegal to um to have to work the Monday after the national championship game because they like to play this thing about midnight. National holiday? Is that what you're saying? It 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 very well could be. Um, it should be maybe. I'm not sure. Um. So yeah, it's uh, it's been a a tough night as you, you you go to sleep and have to wake up. Luckily, we are we were able to get a a little bit extra time on uh, for us. So that there's that. Um, we got a little bit of extra sleep this morning, but yeah, it, it ought to be illegal, man. Either that or they could, you know, play the game on Saturday like college football is supposed to be played. But, hey, here we are. Well, that takes you out of that primetime thing. And, you know, it's all about the TV. Yeah, TV is the 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 big issue, um, obviously. And I understand, you know. Um, I, I've – when – when people talk about it, I, I keep trying to tell them, I'm like, look, this is this is not about convenience for anybody. This is about making as much money as possible. And, you know, NFL over the weekend gave their gave their um, their broadcast an extra two minutes of commercial time. And I'm pretty sure ESPN quadrupled theirs yesterday. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I mean, as long as people continue to stay up until midnight to watch it, they're certainly... I was up. I mean, I know you guys were. So there you go. Yeah. We've uh, we've got some technical issues on Mo's end this morning. He uh, he sounds like he yeah, might we'll be work. in a... We'll, we'll, uh, we'll mute him, let him uh, click a couple of buttons, uh, Chris, and uh, get reset. Remote yeah. again today. Uh, beautiful weather. But did you get some snow, by the way? Finally, Chris? it snowed, but it never stuck. Um, 
and I'm okay with that, I guess. It was mainly, you know, I was able to get to the grocery store yesterday. Uh, I was worried this morning about coming down there, even though, because, I mean, the the uh, the snow sticking down there was pretty heavy. And I thought, especially with schools being an hour late this morning, I'm not sure if they stayed an hour later, if they closed or what. But, yeah, crazy, crazy uh, afternoon yesterday. So we just decided to stick around at the house today. Because that's what you got to do. So there you go, Mo. Think, Mo, how you how you sounding, buddy? I have no idea. Here we go. You, tell me. you you yeah, you sound better. You're be- Yeah, there you go. Whatever magic you did, Mo, it worked. It's the the IT genius of turn it off and turn it back on. There you go. That's the that uh, hey, number one rule right there. Hey, Whatever you got to do. You, you can get on somebody's payroll doing that. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> JP knows. I'm just kidding, JP. Don't give JP my secrets a- away, man. <laughs> IT genius over here. I Mo, welcome back. Um, we had the uh, we had the um, AP top ten released yesterday in high school sports. So. Wanted to get your thoughts on that as, of course, some local flavor across the way. Um, Coffee County sitting at number seven in uh, AAA girls kind of uh, that. I guess that's surprising to me because I, I just assumed Coffee County was going to be a top five team. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I think um... – there's probably a little bit of question about their schedule to this point, and I think that, you know, um, I I just think that AAA girls across across the state is so deep that, you know, it's kind of tough. So, you know, I'm I'm also getting texts that while you guys can hear me, no one else can. So. I guess that's uh, it's not ideal, not ideal situation. <laughs> Man, of course we have technical difficulties today, and uh, we it is what it is. Yeah. Right, I tell you what, Chris, um, why don't we go ahead and take a break? Uh, we'll see if we can work these things out. Come back. You've got the rundown, and uh, if you want to give uh, the rundown of the show as well before we go to break of uh, what to expect, and we'll see if we can get this worked out. Good idea. So we will talk to Charles Pulliam of the Williamson Herald in the next segment. Of course, we'll talk about the national title game and break that down for you later this hour. In the second hour, we have uh, NSMA, uh, Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year and co-Hall of Famer of Mo Patton in the TSWA. Teresa Walker will join us for two segments in the second hour. And, of course, it's Top 5 Tuesday. Top 5 best college football teams we've ever seen. We'll tell you all of those And when we come back, we'll give you the rundown on high school sports on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay tuned. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military... Our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game, 
You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Middle Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yow here along with Mo Patton, J.P. Plant on the controls. We're doing our best to get you uh, as much information as possible this morning as we work through te- technical difficulties. Welcoming our friends in, uh, in Franklin County at WZYX and... We have the rundown coming up and want to tell you a little bit more about the high school top tens that were released yesterday uh, in AAA. Uh, AAA girls, um, teams of note. Uh, Bradley Central, the number one team. Brentwood sits at five. Blackman at six. Coffee County at seven. Uh, not really any teams of note in double A. We just don't have a lot of those around here. In single A, girls, Loretto sits atop the pole with Summertown coming in at number three behind Gibson County. Uh, and Joe Burns at number 10. I've seen Joe Burns play, and if they're the 10th best team in the state, I'd hate to see the other, the other seven between uh, Loretto, Summertown, and Joe Burns. So... There's that. Um, for the boys in uh, AAA, you've got Houston atop the the, the, the top ten pole there. Uh, Franklin comes in at number six, and Brentwood at number ten. In Class A, Loretto is number one. They are seven and one on the year. Richland coming in at number four, nine and zero oh, after their win over Santa Fe, and. Also receiving votes in that poll was uh, Summertown. Perry County also at number 10. Summertown defeated Perry County on Friday by 20 points, but uh, Perry County comes in at number 10. Summertown uh, just receiving votes in that one. Um, not real sure exactly how. I mean, I do know how these polls are are. are put together and I understand that you know you can't know everything about every team but recent memory you should stay on top there in Summertown's 20 point win over Perry County probably could have made a difference should have made a difference did not um so it is what it is um 
and go ahead and give you today's schedule if uh, we can get the rundown going. This is The Rundown. All right, today we have Lawrence County traveling to Coffee County in 8 AAA action. Columbia Central's boys will take on Tullahoma at Tullahoma. Uh, Franklin County travels to Lincoln County. In Class A, Cornersville goes to Cascade. Fayetteville's at Moore County. Huntland is at Eagleville. In District 10A, Cullioka goes to Richland. Hampshire's at Santa Fe. Town goes to Wayne County. Frank Hughes is at Loretto. In Class AA play, Murfreesboro Central goes to Forest. And Nolansville is at Giles County. And, of course, in... uh, 11 AAA, the Page Boys will go to Summit as the girls are still on quarantine there. Spring Hill travels to Independence. Brentwood hosts Centennial. Franklin is hosting Dixon County. The Summit girls will take on Tullahoma at Tullahoma prior to that Columbia Central Boys Tullahoma game. And then, of course, Columbia Academy's girls will travel to Battleground Academy. And in wrestling, Summit will be at Montgomery Bell Academy, and that will start somewhere around 5 p.m., as Mo will tell you. <laughs> so, other games of note in Division Two: uh, CPA is hosting Middle Tennessee Christian and Grace Christian, and Franklin is hosting Webb School. Brentwood Academy hosting Innsworth. So, there are a few other games of note there. But otherwise, that is your schedule for today's Tuesday rundown on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. And now, we'll talk about some of those teams we just mentioned. um, Because Charles Pulliam is on the phone line. And Charles is of the from the Williamson Herald. We visit with him each and every Tuesday to talk Williamson County sports and all the other things that he has going on. And so, Charles, welcome in. What's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me again. Yep, uh, you mentioned the the busy schedule there. That's my thing, trying to figure out the uh, best way to cover and and be around at all these different spots tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got. You've got plenty of options, um, mm-hmm. and of course, you know we're we're always happy to help out when we can. And uh, I have to ask though the 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 Franklin Centennial game. I know I know Joe uh, went to that game, but was that a game you expected to be as close as it was last week? Um, in a way, it, that game always kind of comes about. I mean, this, that Centennial team is one that I know is is going to get up for any big robbery, especially that Crosstown one. And uh, when you got a guy like Patrick Garrett, the uh, starting guard there for Centennial, um, yeah, that was one I would have picked to be uh, roughly an eight-point game or so. Like, something had to be decided to the end there. I've watched the Franklin boys play uh, often here, and, you know, they're, they're a team that, uh, you know, seen them in the ranking and everything like that. I think they're very talented. They have a lot of uh, high-scoring caliber there. Reed Kemp is a one-of-a-kind one player um, for that Franklin team. But when you just come down to the nit and gritty of it, when you got a team like 
Centennial is so scrappy. They're going to push him. And uh, Coach Jeremy Moore might be new there at Centennial, but he brings in a really cool, you know, flavor to the game there. And uh, that was <laughs> that was a tight one, 67-62, the final. Um, kind of wish I was there to really see that one, but uh, I know um, there's just something about that Franklin team being being uh, being pushed to the end like that. How they handle the pressure, uh, it's it, it could be tough. It could be tough. Yeah, you know, listening to the Franklin Summit game, and that, that was was a tough listen. Yeah. Put it that way. Um, that being said, Franklin really put it on a Summit team that is a sectional made a sectional appearance last year. This eleven AAA boys side, Brentwood and Summit were you know top top two and and went to the sectionals last year. But it really feels like this district is anybody's district. Yeah, I think that's a good way to say that. And, you know, it, it's kind of similar to the growth where there, there might be, uh, well, not really that similar. Uh, I was going to say the girls is <laughs> much more top-heavy. This boys one, it, it's really kind of hard to tell. I've watched Ravenwood play a couple times, and here they've lost a couple district games in a row. I've watched Paige play. Paige is you know, a talented team with a couple big players that could really make a difference. It really comes down to Franklin when they're when they're on. You know, this is a team that could score ninety plus points. I know they did that at Independence, uh, you know, before Christmas. I think they won ninety nine sixty six there. But when they're on, they're on. I think they're the team to beat. Fortunately, the way Coach Greg Shirley works at Brentwood, he's all about slowing games down. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. he brings the pace down to a crawl. And that's where Brentwood's always going to be in many games, I think. And they have the talent. I mean, John Winley is one of a kind player out there. He's leading the way. Um, they got a great guard, Griffin Burke. Uh, Mason Redner's really, really muscled up and gotten pretty strong, too. And he's got some size. He's got a nice young kid there as well. So Brentwood's a contender, but I still think Coach Patrick Whitlock at, uh, at Ramwood has, has a crew that if he could, uh, kind of right the ship here, they're kind of in that gut check moment after losing three tough games in a row. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they recover here. I know they're at Centennial next um, uh, on Friday. So they had a whole week off between games, between a 50-47 loss to Brentwood. Then they go to Centennial. They got a week of practice. I think Coach Patrick Whitlock is going to have those boys line back in. They're the team that started 5-0 in district and now lost a couple in a row. So it'll be interesting to see how they come back. Yeah, I, I'm really, you know, when you talk about the the 11 AAA district, it, it's really one of those on boys like boys and girls that you're just not sure what team is going to be the surprise team. Last year, I think Summit was a surprise for a lot of folks. I think mm-hmm. on the girls' side, Spring Hills girls are going to surprise some folks this year, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that does to that 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 girls district it should be really interesting to watch uh you talked about uh, centennial and you know they've got the one guard i saw him playing at summit just fantastic he it really you know feels like sometimes that obviously in basketball 
if you've got one player who's just head and shoulders above everybody else, you've always got a chance to win. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, having the complement players on top of that as well. And that's, you know, I mentioned John Winley at Brentwood. He's got a great group around him. Uh, we talked about Reed Camp at Franklin. And, you know, truly my favorite player on the Franklin team is a guy named Aiden Smiling. He's about 6'4 with length and just a complete do all guy. Uh, a heck of a utility player for them. Um, Matt Thurman, a great post player as well, who could handle the ball. Um, and yeah, you talked to Patrick Garrett there at, uh, at Centennial, and he's got a couple guys coming around him as well. Uh, Trayvon Barbary had a, had a big game there, um, against Franklin. Lincoln Aholt, another one, and he's just a sophomore. Um, so there's some, some younger players there for, for Garrett, but, uh, I think just because he's been such a scrappy player and he's learned from some of the guys that, uh, you know, we've, we've seen some, some great stuff from, um, like a KJ LeSure, things like that. You know, he's worked with some of the past players through Centennial and really kind of taken on a lot. Um, and, you know, then you got to go right into a summit team where, you know, when you got the Wades and you got some other guys coming in there that they're just as tough. I mean, this is going to be a very intriguing district tournament. And in terms of setup and fans and everything like that, I, seating really isn't going to play as much as it has in the past. There's just going to be the comfort level of being that upper seed where you get to host these games. But, you know, we're not too worried about fans making much of a, much of a, uh, a change in, in, in the atmosphere and everything like that. So it's really just going to be coming down to who, who plays who plays better and who makes less mistakes. Charles, you mentioned that Centennial team and Lincoln Aholt in particular. I had an opportunity to see them when they played down at Columbia up earlier in the He came off the bench for them. I think Patrick Garrett was out for that game. He looks mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's as a sophomore, uh thinking size wise and, and just Having having good post moves, good footwork, good hands, things like that, he's going to come along very well and really compliment and maybe do a bit of an inside out there. Um, and I know it was foul trouble that kind of hurt him against Franklin, so he actually sat quite a bit. But he's going against one of the smoother post players in the in the district and a guy like uh, Matt Thurman. And you know when you got other guys, Connor Bevan, Aiden Smiley, I mentioned them. As well, that's a that's a tough tough job to be trying to handle the paint against guys like that, and he did pretty well, you know. Um, worked right near a double double, battling foul trouble, limited minutes. He's uh, he's going to be fun. I think a, a, a great game to kind of see will be when Franklin plays Page, and we'll see how he matches up inside against the guys like Thomas Seaman and uh, Jaime Hernandez, the the big fellow there, six nine guy. That guy, I saw him down at Summertown back around Thanksgiving, and like you said, Paige can really throw some size at you, and they can shoot it from the perimeter. I mean, it's a, from a defensive standpoint, it's the worst of both worlds, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, that, that Paige team, I, I got to see them handle, uh, you know, a tough Ravenwood team last week, and, uh, you know, I know that boys game at Summit tonight's actually one of the circled ones. I think we're going to have Joe Williams go hang out at that one because that just seems like it's, it's, uh, a good matchup to see as you see a Summit trying to, uh, find the footing here early on and see a page team trying to see, 
where they are. I know over Christmas break they had several one-point losses against some tough teams like a Father Ryan, um, teams like that, and then they come back and they beat a Ravenwood team on their home floor by eight. And, uh, you know, that's a tough district. I think they're squared up in the district at three and three. Um, that makes tonight's game just one of those one of those big ones. We got we got a lot of teams hanging around there, and for Summit, you know, it's it's a game that uh, they really want. That I think they're one and three in district play right now. So this is a one of those games where when we're talking seeding here, they don't want to be the first team to have four district losses. Yeah, you know, you talk about that Summit team. They just got their first win over Independence in the border battle over the weekend, and. We talked about it yesterday, how basketball is a tournament sport, right? I mean, you just got to be playing your best basketball when the tournament rolls around, but you also don't want to have to take on Franklin, a team that beat you by 40, <laughs> you know, just a few days ago. Uh, you don't want to play them first, obviously. But, you know, Summit's just now getting their football players kind of acclimated to basketball conditioning. And once those guys and, – and we've not seen – it appears Keaton Wade will not play basketball this year. No, oh, Keaton um, played. Did he play? Okay. Yeah, he scored five points. I mean, he didn't he wasn't real, real involved offensively, but he did a lot of little things. I mean, he banged on the boards, played some defense, that kind of thing. But yeah, he played um in that independence game. Gotcha. So it, okay. it's just a you know, when but when when you get these guys back to the team that we saw go to the sectionals last year. It, they're going to be tough to deal with, and you don't want to be a high seed who ends up playing a, a you know a summit team who's on a roll uh, late in the season either. Yeah, completely. the The big difference there, I feel like, is uh, I'm still trying to find that uh, that guy for the summit squad that's going to really step into uh, the the hole left from from uh, Trey Carlson because Trey really was the, 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 the guy that kind of led the team, especially early on as the football guys last year were really coming in. He still was the guy and, uh, you know, just a gritty guard that was able to do a little bit of everything, the lefties. Um, I want to see who kind of really steps in to help replace him. And there's a couple guys out there, but, you know, when you, when you had that tough, Tough guy up front to handle the ball, play some tough defense, lead the break. That was what made that summit team really get going. And then as those guys from football really kind of got going with them, I mean, that was that was a special team, especially come late February. So uh, I think there's some pieces there, but uh, some of those guys we're going to have to be stepped up. And, you know, I know uh, Worth is one of the guys that I'm looking at a lot to kind of take on something like that maybe. Um we're seeing good things from Destin already, of course. And, you know, off the bench early on, I saw a couple shooters out there. I watched an early game from the Summit Boys. I'm trying to think. I think it was Alex Pollard, the sophomore, who had a mm-hmm. really nice nice uh, shooting touch. And, you know, he's a guy that could help extend some defenses out there. So um, there's there's some guys out there, but I, I want to see who the, who the top kind of guard guy is going to be there to kind of set the tone early. I think – the goal, or, or from what I got from Jim Fay before the season, was that that is Trey Hunter, and mm. so that that's the reason that they're struggling is because Trey's a football player. 
Last year, mm-hmm. Trey Carlson didn't have to worry about getting acclimated to basketball. Trey Hunter, who is now their point guard and will be leading that offense, is a football player, and he's still trying to get acclimated. So that's one reason that they are struggling to find that particular uh, aspect of their game. Another mm-hmm. reason is that they lost Tristan Conger over the summer. He trained mm-hmm. he too. Oh, that's right. And he's a he, he's a kid that that um really gave them some good minutes and some good stuff down the stretch last year and was expected back. So there's that. Yeah, I forgot about Tristan. That's right. Um he's uh got to be Hendersonville, something like that, I think. He's a he's a Pope John Paul the second. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. That one uh yeah, he was man, he he would have been a great fit. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Hmm. And for other teams, uh, the other team in our area, Independence, obviously, losing to Summit, not something they want to do, but uh, you know, this is a team that has come on in the in, in the last couple of years. That they've they've certainly improved under Doug Kyle, and uh, could be a team to to watch out for uh, this year. As you know, they, they have some really good size on, underneath with uh, uh, Ty Lockwood. You know, that's a that guy gives you an extra advantage, doesn't he? <laughs> have you seen him play? <laughs> You could. He's one of the kind of guys you can plug just about anywhere and find some good stuff from. <laughs> it's just that kid it's is an athlete, huge, man. And yeah, I, I just athletic. It's it's amazing watching somebody that big be able to move the way he does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's actually the guys, there's a. Oh, sorry. The, go for it. <laughs> no, you're fine. The the guys that kind of stepped up in the paint for Indy the other night was Cameron Bell, who got the start and had eight points, and then Justin Miles came off the bench. But um, River Katina is a guy that can go get you twenty in and not out in district play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and River is one of those guys I think that they're going to rely on pretty heavily. But as you get a Cameron, I think Cameron had uh, what maybe eight or ten points the other night in that tight loss to Summit. He's a he's I've watched him play, and he's one of the guys that I kind of see there. Um, uh, you talked about big guys that can move, and that's that. The uh, Ravenwood has a fellow named Noah Clifford, and Noah is deceptively quick and quick off his feet. Plus, he just has this like lineman style body. Um, he surprised me several times, and uh, he's going to be a guy who's going to be, you know, anywhere from fifteen to twenty points a night, but. He handles the ball. I saw him knock down a couple big three-pointers. He's kind of a scary big guy out there. <laughs> He's a fascinating story, too, Charles. I talked to um, some Ravenwood folks about him when they played Summit back before Christmas. Um, he's a junior, moved in here from California, but apparently he's going to be too old to play his senior year. Is that so? Huh. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's... What, like you said, he, five, he definitely looks like a lineman feet. out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he's um, like you said, he he's got some. He's a basketball player despite his size. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that uh, again, the, the footwork, everything like that. Uh, he was one of the guys that really stood out to me at that next level tournament at CPA. But the way. <laughs> 
just his body size. You just don't see big fellows move like that and spin and, and the footwork, the, the quick hands, things like that. He's, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a lineman with all the, with football players. I mean, with basketball player skills. <laughs> Absolutely. It, we just as I was just talking about Ty Lockwood, I, he didn't play against Summit, but uh, I think he was on COVID protocol. But you know, we we're seeing that a lot with uh, with, with Williamson County teams. You know, big kids being able to move. Uh, you see it at, at Franklin. You see it at Ravenwood. You see it at Independence. You see it just about anywhere. It, it's it's something special about the Williamson County. Uh, area having those those athletic big guys gotta love mm-hmm. it. I lo- I love watching athletic big guys. <laughs> what you talking about? <laughs> it's a it's a lot of fun, man. Uh, Charles, I'm sorry that it, it was kind of a uh, uh, hectic getting you in here, but we appreciate your patience and hanging out with us here on uh, on this Tuesday as you always do, and we appreciate that. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Those- those things happen and uh you know have fun tonight i'll be in touch uh with what we could do i know we got lots of fun coverage coming yes absolutely we do so again charles pulliam of the williamson herald joining us uh each tuesday we have the williamson herald segment we appreciate those guys for hanging out with us and giving us the insight that they have when we come back we'll talk about uh, the national championship that happened last night in alabama a 52-24 winner over uh, Ohio State. So we'll get to that on the other side of a break. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay tuned. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Sports and beyond. It's on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Yes, it is. It is. It is. Is right here on uh, <laughs> Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. We go beyond when we can. Uh, I'm Chris Yao, joined by Mo Patton, JP Plant, with you here, and we have a lot to talk about today we've got titans and preds uh information coming up in the next hour Uh, of course we'll talk about the top five college football teams we've ever seen 
uh, in the last segment of the day because there are some folks saying that this Alabama team that played last night could be the best team in uh, recent college football history. I don't think that's necessarily accurate. But, hey, who am I and what do I know? What I can tell you is that Devontae Smith is by far the best college football receiver I've seen since maybe Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, he absolutely cemented himself as the Heisman. No question. Yeah, Sometimes you see the Heisman winner come out and lay an egg in a bowl game, but not this one. Devontae Smith goes 12 catches, 215 yards, and three touchdowns, which would be a fantastic um, stat line for just about anybody for a game, except he did it all in the first First half. half. The only thing that stopped him was a broken finger. Dislocated. Whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yeah, an injury was the only thing that stopped him. And he still and set a record in a national championship game. It's it's insane. Clayton Harris says they are the best team in recent college football memory, and uh, they're not. They're they're no. just not. Stop. So, just stop. Yeah, he's he's got his <laughs> he's he's got his um his twenty seventh national championship uh, t shirt on today. So yeah, he's he's a little excited, and and he should be as an Alabama fan. He should be excited. But uh, yeah, sure. those crimson color glasses—it's um, a hard shade to uh, to peer out of following a, a game like that. <laughs> he truly believes that the '92 Alabama defense couldn't stop this offense, and I'm here to tell you that that's just—that's trash can juice. I don't know if they—they uh, they may no, not no. stop John it. No, Copl- John Copeland would have whooped uh, Alex Leatherwood up and down the football field. I don't care. <laughs> I'm telling you, Clayton is my age, but I was I was entrenched in that team. You can't – Antonio Langham and George Teague wasn't going to let – now, Devontae probably would have had some yards and may have scored, but he wouldn't have had 215, 12 for 215 and three touchdowns in the first half against Antonio Langham and George Teague. I'm just telling you, it's crazy – don't just just stop, Clayton. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is that the '92 Alabama offense would have run up and down the field on this defense. That's what I'm here to tell you. Oh, uh, but that's neither here nor there. I'll tell you who my favorite, who, who my top uh, college football team is later, and I'm sure uh, the you guys will have something to say about it. But last night was just impressive. Twenty eight points in the second quarter. And it it just felt like there was never any doubt in this one, um, even when Ohio State – I mean, Ohio State had to have a turnover inside the 15-yard line to tie the game at 14. And, and even at that point, you were like, man, if, if that's what it's going to take, they don't have a chance. Yeah, they, I mean, they were going to have um, to match Alabama's offensive output. And it was going to be a tall task to begin with. But uh, when Trey Sermon gets injured on the first series – uh, doesn't help. Although when you've got somebody like Master Teague behind, um, you know he's he's a he's a pretty damn good back too. So I, I don't, you know, that wasn't the difference in the game. Didn't help Ohio State, but that wasn't the difference of the game. He wasn't going to rush for two hundred, three hundred yards against Alabama. I I, I don't think. Right. I, I no. I mean, based on the way that Alabama's defense schemed 
uh, last night, it felt like that was the goal. The goal was, like I said, put pressure up front and force fields to throw quickly. And he was able to escape a couple of times, which is going to happen. He was 6 of 67 on the ground and uh, 17 of 33 through the air. What I was most impressed with was the second half Mac Jones, who, you know, once Devontae went out, it felt like he just found the guy. He found the next guy. Whoever it was, he was going to find somebody uh, who was open, and he was able to do that. He went 36 of 45, and four of those nine completions were drops, including one by Devontae Smith when he dislocated his finger. (laughs) That's right, yeah. I mean, just a, a fantastic performance from Mac Jones. And get this, he did something Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungvaloa couldn't do. What's that? He went start to finish as the starting quarterback and won a national championship. Yeah. <laughs> Neither one of them that's were true. able to do that. Yeah. And that's impressive. How much of that is the fact that he doesn't run around as much as those two quarterbacks did? I, I think Sar- Sarkeesian's offense is just it, it lends itself to that type of quarterback to a pocket presence quarterback uh, that being said i mean when you've got horses like Najee, Devonte, john mechie uh etc it's well to to uh and uh, hertz had those athletes too i mean they, i mean they had yeah they had jerry judy and they, yeah uh, they had as much talent um i i think i think it's the nature of the type of quarterback um matt jones is is not going to scramble as much and, He's going to make sure he gets to his third and fourth read uh-huh. if he has time. Um, and, and that's the difference because Alabama's offensive line is so good, they give him time to get to that third and fourth read. That's true. And, you know, sometimes when you've got a, when you've got a, a player like Jalen Hurts or a tongue, Tua Tungvalo, which Tua was not really a, a mobile quarterback. He was just a guy who, you know, he would he would get out of the pocket if he had to, but he was going to stand there and throw it when he, you know, when possible. Um, but it's also a part of your offense. You don't have to develop if you've got Mac Jones back there, you know, you can spend more time working on pass pro instead of worrying about RPO protection, like Alex Leatherwood getting upfield last night. That's a good point. Yep. Still uh, an incredible offense and, and maybe the best offense Alabama has had. I think that may. Oh, be, there's no question yeah, there. I, I think in, in I'm, you know, I don't have the numbers, but I, I imagine that they bear them out. That this is by far the most potent Alabama offense in history uh, for them. So, uh, but uh, defense not so much. But it is a different game today. I mean, you look at you look at the SEC. I mean, this was a typical SEC type game. Um, the SEC has turned into what the Big Twelve used to be: a lot of offense, not a whole lot of defense for the most part. But I think that's the game across the board in college football today. Um I think that's um that's what we're um that's what we're seeing. So I'm not seeing this as a uh I just don't see it as, um on Twitter maybe as official yet, but Clayton Harris is telling us that Bill O'Brien is the new offensive coordinator at 
Alabama, and I did see that that was the they were closing in on a deal last night. So I assume he will be. I don't know if it's official yet or not, but um, let's be honest. Uh, Bill O'Brien is a pretty good offensive mind. I'm just surprised that he's coming back to the um, to the college ranks after spending just one year at uh, at Penn State and then going to the pros. I think he. I don't think he really enjoys uh, the recruiting process. No, he he comes across, and I don't have a I don't know him, but he comes across as um, as a, in the office at uh, four in the morning, and you know leave till you know a hard worker. But it's it's all about the the X's and O's, and not about um, you know going to uh, the the Rotary Club in in uh you know wherever your local town is of your college and and talking to the boosters now that's that's not his style he he's a bill belichick guy obviously and um he comes across that way which fits yeah. the nfl traditionally doesn't mean he can't be successful but it, it fits that well he was successful at penn state he was i mean he the one year he was there was the year after they had all of the issues oh, with yeah. the with give their, him credit their scholarships. For that yeah, absolutely. And and was really good. So, you know, let's give him props, but you know, is he going to to want to get out in, in the recruiting world? Is he gonna have to get out into the recruiting world? I mean, that might have been a selling point, you know, was your here's the thing. In the middle of this pandemic stuff, you can't you, you don't have in-home visits very often. You don't have campus visits. Most everything's done by Zoom anyway. So I guess that could be a positive. I, I don't know. But we'll never see what we're seeing again. Um, I say that. We saw in Nebraska in the late 60s and whatnot. But this Alabama team, 8-3 and three in playoffs with three championships. That's insane. Nick Saban now has six with the Crimson Tide, which ties Bear Bryant. Uh, pretty insane. Pretty insane. On the other side of the top of the hour, we'll talk to Teresa Walker. Uh, she will talk Preds and Titans for a couple segments. And, of course, Top 5 Tuesday coming your way on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay tuned. The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoyt with United Country Realty, the Law Office of David A. Bates, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. Specializing in orthopedic injuries, their ortho-quick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Tennessee Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yao. 
Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I am Chris Yao, joined by Mo Patton and J.P. Plant on the controls with you here. Welcome into the second hour of the show, and thanks for sticking with us through any technical difficulties that we've had this morning. I want You're welcome. To, yeah. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you sticking in and getting... Hey, you you sounding you sounding good now. Look at you. Well, anything would have been an improvement, obviously. <laughs> um, normally in the first hour on Tuesday we would give away the the hardware, but we were struggling to even get talking on the air <laughs> this morning. So let's do that before we we get to our guest. I want to the end to win life team of the week presented by Custom Stone Handlers. Uh, Typically, we don't like to give. We, we like to spread the love, but this week, uh, you know, especially after watching them on Friday, got to go with the Richland boys. Uh, they're nine and zero on the year right now, number four in the state AP poll. So, you know, that's the Richland Richland boys certainly deserving. And uh, after they got three big wins last week, they you got Fayetteville twenty. They yeah, defeated Fayetteville by twenty, and then they defeated um, Santa Fe in by um, seventeen district play. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I mean, a really good job by um, by that team. Uh, I was going to say Chad Hall, but that's he's the girls' coach, no, <laughs> Jason Loveless, yeah. Jason Loveless, and and the crew over in Richland. Um, good job for them. Uh, our player of the week, like I said. Um, presented by Covenant Technology. Uh, like I said, we normally like to spread the love, but this week you can't go, you just can't not give it to the girl who went over 2,000 career points, Jesse Jennings, Richland Guard. Fantastic job from her. Scored 18 points in that win at Santa Fe, but she did get the 2,000th career point in that one. So uh, congratulations to that young lady. And finally, our Patio West Comfort and Coastal Eats Scholar Athlete of the Week comes from Spring Hill High School, Jacksonville State softball signee, <laughs> and uh, really all-district volleyball player, all-district volleyball player, and and really, you know, kind of the the person who runs that Spring Hill girls offense, and that's a uh, Cat Carter, so. Congratulations to her and uh, as she earns the Patio West Scholar Athlete of the Week. All right. Now that we'd have got that out the way, if you're an original Kings of Comedy fan, you'll get that one. <laughs> uh, let's bring in newly minted, I guess newly minted, NSMA Tennessee sports writer, of the year, Teresa Walker. Teresa, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's probably not the question we want to ask uh, this morning. We we have struggled, Teresa. We have struggled, but uh, you know, well, let's just that's, call this. I know it's Tuesday morning, but let's just chalk, let's just call this like a Monday. You know, I don't know about y'all, but it just feels like. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the blur, the cold, whatever. But it just feels like you know this is a week of Mondays, right? The, the Monday is Tuesday ever. Yeah, yeah. No yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Teresa, we brought you on to talk a little Titans and a little Predators. But before we do that, um, we just got news over the Twitter, as Chipper Jones would say, that the Vandy UT men's basketball game will not be played tonight. Yes, I was all set to go cover. And, and guys, this is a game uh, that was rescheduled and announced Saturday night. Um because of COVID issues at Missouri and South Carolina, that's the team. You know, Vandy was supposed to go to Missouri tonight. Tennessee was supposed to go to South Carolina. So they were like, okay, that's not going to work. So they, they said, you know what, Tennessee, you're scheduled to visit Vandy in February. Come on down to Nashville today. And yet this morning, COVID issues, tracing, testing, uh, quarantining at Vandy has now postponed that game. So, uh, there's been no announcement yet about Saturday night because this was going to be a rare back-to-back home-and-home between the in-state rivals. And right now the game still is on schedule for Vandy to go to Tennessee on Saturday night. But as we've learned so very well in the last few months, stay tuned. That, too, can change in a, in a blink of an eye. Well, it's tough to think that Vanderbilt wouldn't be able to play tonight for COVID reasons but would be able to play Saturday night despite today's I, issues Mo, well, i think that they're just hoping that maybe some subsequent testing clears some guys or enough guys to you know because that's the thing the tracing is what takes you out if you have one uh test positive well you, you look at the tracing and it's like okay these guys were close then you test those guys and you know maybe you get through enough days of them being negative that you can actually play so it's it, that's going to be the interesting challenge Teresa, you know, when you're talking about the challenges of COVID and everything else that we've experienced in college sports this year, the fact that we played a national championship football game last night has to give you hope for basketball season, right? Well, I I think it's different. I mean, look at how much disruption we had in college football, a game that's played outside. You know, there's – you know, the college football isn't like the NFL where you got some dome stadiums. Those were pretty much played outside. And look at the disruption we had. Yes, uh, the entire, you know, most of the SEC schedule was played, but there, I think there were still a couple games that didn't quite get finished, uh, because of, of COVID issues. And, you know, look, you know, Rick Barnes talked to reporters yesterday and, you know, he said, you know, normally they'd have maybe seven more games played at this point. You know, somebody had asked, you know, what do you, do you think the SEC tournament gets played at this point? And, you know, and Rick Barnes kind of said, well, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, day to day situation here, you know? Um, and, and, you know, it, it's interesting. Tennessee dropped, uh, they win two games last week and they dropped a spot in the AP poll from number nine to number 10. And, you know, it, it the, the challenge is if, if this had been a normal year, uh, Tennessee would have already played Gonzaga, uh, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. You know, now they might be further down in the poll, but they might have had a chance to be, you know, to show what they are and maybe be a top five program. So, uh, you know, guys, I think because basketball is played indoors, it's practiced indoors. And unlike football, you know, you know, yeah, so many schools have indoor pro, uh, facilities for football, but basketball is an indoors thing. I mean, you're not taking guys out onto the asphalt court to practice. Uh, it, even in the SEC uh, in, in January and February. So uh, I think basketball is going to face a much tougher situation. 
uh, I'm curious to see what happens here. The NCAA has already announced we're going to have our tournament in Indiana. We're going to bubble up. We're going to play the whole thing up there. Uh, you know, sad because I thought I might be helping in Lexington on the first and second rounds, and Memphis was due to host a regional uh, this year, and unfortunately, it's going to be a bubble. Uh, just stay tuned. I mean, I'm I'm not as we see. I was all set to go to Memorials Night and for the second time this season, and oops, it, it, it's just not happening. So um, you, you're, you're trying to do what you can. You're trying to keep everybody healthy, but you know you're traveling, you're practicing, and it's all happening indoors. And I think that's going to be pro- prove a bigger challenge for for basketball than than football even encountered. With the the college basketball season under underway and all that you you have a lot going on i'm sure uh and that being said uh, the tennessee titans season ended on sunday which i guess lightens the load a little bit um as we we saw them fall to the baltimore ravens uh, 20 to 13 on sunday was that a little bit of a surprise for you that i mean 13 points from the Titans doesn't seem like something that we would expect um, at home. What the fact that they were uh, uh, fourth in the NFL scoring points, 30.7 points a game. And then they uh, only the chiefs averaged more yards per game on total offense than the Titans did. But that's the thing I've been saying for a long time that the Titans would go as their offense went and the Ravens were determined. They had Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams who they did not have in November, they didn't have Calais Campbell last January either. They traded for him in March to help improve their run game, and they just stacked the box and, and told the Titans beat us through the air. And you know may, maybe this is a situation where you know it, where the Titans have had success is by sticking with the run game, not abandoning it, not completely going to the air because you, you know that Derrick Henry, if he's running for three and four yards in the first half, that can be six and eight yards in the second half particularly in January when guys are hurting a little bit, right? But, guys, I think this is where the you know the lack of uh, players really started hitting the Titans. You know, yes, we knew Taylor Lewan being out. They, they'd replaced him enough to get through the season. But, you know, you needed a Taylor Lewan so that you could free up Johnny Smith more instead of having him maybe help in the run game and help pass block, you know, get him out in, into uh, some pass routes. You know, they threw to him a couple times, but – you know, and he had one catch, uh, a couple catches, but, you know, just not the guy that we'd seen early in the season before the one went out, you know, running around and making some big plays down the field. And the final pass that Brian Tannehill threw, guys, to Khalif Raymond. And no offense, I, I know Khalif, you know, had a huge touchdown pass a year ago in that playoff game in Baltimore. You know, but he caught nine total passes the entire season. Now, the reason you're throwing to him, well, Adam Humphreys on IR, and Mike Rabel said yesterday he's still in concussion protocol, guys. With two years left on mm-hmm. his deal, I think that's somebody that they have to look at maybe releasing this offseason to free up money for somebody else, like maybe keeping Corey Davis, who I, I think you need to try at least transition tag, uh, you know, to keep him around because he helps make this offense better. Um, you know, and then you had Corey Davis was on the sideline uh, later in that game, uh, unspecified injury. Somebody saw him limping. He was definitely without a, he- a helmet on the sideline, and he was obviously unavailable. So, you know, you're, you're missing Humphrey. You're missing Corey Davis. Uh, Nick Westbrook, Akina, 
he's a guy, no offense. He was a practice squatter, you know, special teamer, got onto the, you know, that's not somebody you want to be throwing to in that situation. And Marcus Peters, you know, uh, uh, they weren't throwing many flags on Sunday anyway. But when mm-hmm. a guy as small as Khalif Raymond gets bumped by a defender, you know, it had to, you know, it, it's going to be obvious if you're interfering with a 6'4 Corey Davis. When it's Khalif Raymond, I could bump him off, you know, by bowling on him, you know, in a game. And that's not going to draw a flag. So it's just that, you know, they were down in weapons and the injuries kind of took a toll. And yeah, the, uh, Brian Tannehill said it, you know, Mike Vrabel didn't want to really answer my question uh, when I asked on Sunday about the offense kind of letting them down. But uh, Ryan Tannehill said it yesterday. You know, the defense played well enough for them to win, held the Ravens to 20 points. 20 points. A defense that, you know, almost last in the league down at the bottom for points allowed. You know, we knew that they were the worst on third down defense. You know, the sack finally came in the final two games of the season. They did enough on Sunday to win that game. The offense did not come through. And Ryan Tannehill said, yeah, we didn't do enough. And, you know, that's the thing. Throwing through the air, that was a game that, you know, you needed to turn to Ryan Tannehill, and they just couldn't do it enough. So, yeah, when you have a season low in points, season low in in yards, total offense, you know, and let's not forget, Baltimore, number two scoring defense during the regular season. They are good on defense in that category, and the Titans simply could not make them pay. Teresa, I don't know if it made any difference during the game necessarily, but I know fans are not real pleased with Arthur Smith's little post-game trip. Oh, Mo, I know they're not happy, but you know what? This idea that, you know, he, he you're doing most of your preparation for what you want to do in your off time, and these guys are working six and seven days a week as it is, so if he took an hour or two last Tuesday, uh, after getting the game plan put together to, you know, maybe check his P's and Q's for, and I asked last Thursday, you know, how do you, you know, prepare for an interview, you know, when you're, you know, because guess what? This is job season for, for coaches, whether it's college or football, uh, NFL or, or college. And, you know, so you do have to have your resumes ready, so to speak, your game plan, you know, ideas of who you'd hire to bring on your staff. But this is not something that he put, he spent all last week putting together. You know, this is stuff you work on during the off season because, you know, yeah, if, you know, it, you know, everybody wants to move up the job chain. If you're in a position coach, you want to be a coordinator. If you're a coordinator, you want to be a head coach. And Arthur Smith made it clear to Mike Brabel when he talked to him about becoming offensive coordinator, he said, I want to be a head coach in this league. I mean, this is a guy who's worked for Joe Gibbs, you know, worked for Mike Malarkey, Mike Malarkey highly recommended Arthur Smith to Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel yesterday gave him a high endorsement. Thinks he said he'll be an excellent coach for somebody. Um, you know, that he's not the kind of guy who's working the phone behind the back. You know, a uh, I, I, very interesting mention, I thought. You know, this is a guy that has a lot of respect across the entire Titans organization, and they know that it's time. It's like that baby bird. It's time for him to fly out of the nest. It's time for him to become an NFL head coach. If and guess what? You know, I don't know if the uh, the Eagles are going to give him a call, but six other teams are wanting to interview him for their head coaching job. So fans can be upset. It, it doesn't look great. But, you know, what was he supposed to do Sunday night? Go home and, and, you know, get drunk and kick himself or because the offense couldn't be better against a very, very good Baltimore defense? 
mean, that's what on, I did. People. Well, <laughs> but, but did you have okay. teams wanting? Did you have people wanting to hire you, wanting to talk to you Sunday night? You know, uh, I don't know too many uh, fans that were in that position. So, hey, you know, Arthur I'll tell you, was. the fact that they still wanted to talk to him. Just goes to show that sometimes it's not, it's never just one game, right? But you, I, I like what you said on Twitter, you know, that his, his best, you know, his best foot forward or his best resume point was to go out and have a, you know, a solid performance on Sunday. And, you know, so obviously that wasn't a distraction, it was just what happened. Arthur Smith's best resume, uh, and, and yeah, do you look at that? Mm, yeah, but guess what? Again, I'm going to point out Baltimore's defense, good. Number two scoring defense. Number eight, I think it was, in total yards allowed. That was a good defense, guys, and they were healthy. Jimmy mm-hmm. Smith was back for the first time in three games. So, uh, But his resume, a very strong resume, is the fact that he had uh, – Look what he did with that offense once he got Ryan Tannehill last year. They were in the top four down the stretch, the final 10 games last year. And then, again, tied for second most yards, uh, 2,000-yard rusher in Derrick Henry, uh, the only NFL team to have a 3,500-yard passer and a 2,000-yard, well, 2,500-yard rushing offense, you know, in addition to Derrick Henry. Uh, career high in passes for, for Tannehill, high rushing touchdowns for Tanny Hill. I mean, you know, that's the resume that they're looking at, the creativity, how he gets guys wide open. Remember how many years it's like, why can't Titans receivers get out in the open? We see other teams do it, and yet every time a Titans guy catches a pass, the defender's right there to take him down. We see yards after the catch are possible with this team, and as great as A.J. Brown is in that category, other guys are also getting the ball in space. That's Arthur Smith, and that's why he's going to probably be hired here in the next week by another team to be a head coach. I can't disagree with you. I mean, I think he's a great coach, and I and I look forward to him being a head coach. He deserves to be, and so we can't can't fault the guy for wanting to be a head coach at the highest level in, in football. I mean, there's there's no you can't be mad at a guy for that, right? So. It is what it is. But, uh, yeah, so, again, Titans 20-13 losers in the wild card round of the playoffs on Sunday. So their season ends. But just as one season ends, another begins. And the Nashville Predators will take the ice tomorrow in their first game of the year. Well, uh, Is it Thursday? The 14th. That's right. The season starts tomorrow. The Preds are tomorrow in the NHL. That's right. And the Preds will will play Thursday, and uh, I assume that uh, that you will have some stuff to talk about there. So on the other side of a break, we will let you give us all the insight on the Nashville Predators on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Y'all stay tuned. Teresa Walker stays with us on the other side of the break. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. 
Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Coming to you live this morning as we approach the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour. We remain on the line with Teresa Walker of the Associated Press um, talking Titans and Preds and college hoops and just about anything else she she covers it all, which is, you know, that's kind of why we love her because she is the jack of all trades and master of them as well. That's what makes a state sports writer of the year, apparently. Four times. Four times. Four times. <laughs> it's like a Ric Flair. Thirteen times. <laughs> oh, man. I'm I'm so excited about uh, the Pred season because we got some some new faces uh, that will be gracing the ice at Bridgestone, and uh, obviously some some familiar ones as well, including Pecorine still on the roster. Um, is that uh, expected that that Pekka will be the guy, or is uh, or did Juicy kind of take that over from him? Well, that's the interesting thing. You know, Sara struggles in the uh, play-in series against Arizona. So uh, I'm, I'm really curious. But it, with a compressed 56-game schedule, they're going to be needing both of them. You know, they've got some, you know, back-to-back. They start Thursday night and then turn around, and, you know, uh, on Saturday night, uh, also another game. And, you know, they're going to be facing the same teams back-to-back. You know, uh, they're going to be – it's going to be such an interesting season where they've got, you know, four games in, in six days, two and three. It's just – so because of that, you know, and, and I asked last week John Hines, and he's like, it's going to be, and it's essentially going to be 1A, 1B. Um, I'm curious to see who gets to start Thursday night um, because I do think that that matters. Pekka Rene, you know, when we talked to him, he made it very clear that he's looking for a bounce-back season. This is the final year of his contract. He's 38 years old. Um, you know, he was not happy with how things went. He started last season really, really well. And then it just kind of slipped off the, you know, from the end of January in through February before the pause. He wasn't playing well at all. It's the reason why Soros had taken over the net. And, you know, he's the reason why Soros was starting in that series against Arizona. Now, can, you know, working out, he's in his dad, you know, new, new lease on life. You know, can he, can he replicate and get back to where he was? Uh, I, you know, at the start of the, the last season? Absolutely. I mean, this is a guy who just won the Vezina in 2018. Um, but, you know, he's, he's fighting a, what's going to end up being a losing battle, father time. So I'm very curious to see 
how both of these goalies play because Soros, you know, it, it, he won the net there for a while, but you know, he was, you know, he he hasn't made it very, very clear that he's the undisputed number one in net for the Titans. So, I mean, excuse me, the Predators. So, I'm very curious to see how they move forward with this completely. Who gets the start Thursday night? I, Make a prediction. I, I would think you go with Tekas, only because it might be the last time. And then again, you know, I'd go with Soros on, on Saturday night. That said, I have not made it to a practice. I, I've been in Titanland for the last week, and I haven't been to watch them practice in camp. Uh, and I, and I, I, I missed this morning session. They're actually showing the media around their safety guidelines over at uh, Bridgestone Arena as we speak. Uh, Adam Zingan is tweeting out. So I, I'm sorry, I was just looking at this. In the bathrooms, they've got little wash-up sing-along songs to remind you to wash your hands long enough. And their suggested songs are Life is a Highway. Uh, I'm going to use the original version, not the one by Rascal Flatts, but uh, a song by The Killers and then something from Harry Styles. They covered the musical genre there uh, to help people know how long to wash their hands, which, Lord, if that's one thing we learn out of this pandemic is how to wash your hands properly, maybe, maybe, just saying. <laughs> and that would be, if that's if that's something that happens, you know, that there are far Worst things that that we could learn from it, I, I assure you. Yeah, you know, this is a team that we expected last year to be obviously much more accomplished in the playoffs, and like you said, struggled against Arizona in the play-in series. What do the Preds expect this year? What what can we expect from this team? You know, are we are expectations as high as they were last year? Are we, you know, with the new schedule and the new uh, division, what's kind of the the thought around the the program? Well, they're being overlooked. I mean, and, and rightfully so. I mean, this is a team that, you know, for all their talk the last couple of offseasons, ever since they made the uh, Stanley Cup final, it's like, keep us together. We can get back there. We, you know, we're so close. Just stick with us. And, you know, and then they bring in Duchesne and, you know, they brought in tourists. Tourists, you know, bought out his contract uh, in October because, you know, that just proved to be a really, really bad deal. Uh, the pressure is now on, you know, everybody. Ryan Johansson, uh, Victor Arvidsson, Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne particularly. They have, you know, their top players have to start playing like their contracts. You know, uh, production was down across the board for these guys last season. And, you know, uh, the angle of my preview was, you know, and they, they kind of made it clear that, they believe that they can be good, that they can go out and win the cup, that they've got the talent. And sure enough, they do. Uh, but the, the key is that they've got to go out there and play. They've got to prove it on the ice and quit talking about it and, you know, eliminate the, the, the gap between the do, the say and the do, as John Hines put it. And, you know, so could they go out there and compete, win the division, go deep in the playoffs, maybe get back to a Stanley Cup final? Absolutely. The talent is there. Um, the, problem has been that they just haven't put it together and you know now you know john hines it's been just a, a bunch of starts and stops with him you know hired last january to, you know when peter laviolette was fired the pause you know they come back together then they they play four games and then boop that's it uh you're done until they started camp a week ago so uh you know has he had enough time to really get into the, to their heads what they want there's been tons of meetings you know lord 2020 tons of zoom meetings Lots of talk. Um, so, but what is expected of them? 
should be completely crystal clear. Now they just have to go out there and actually do it, and then we'll, we'll see if they can do it for you know a 56 game sprint where it's going to be you know it's going to be like a mini playoff uh, to to get to the playoffs. You know, the athletic Teresa had a, had an article a couple of weeks ago. I guess why should we be interested in the Predators? And I have to say, I I didn't read the article, which maybe I'm not interested in the Predators. But it's just like you said, the frustration of them continuing to tell us how close they are, and then not being close when it comes down to it. Um, the biggest thing to me is the lulls that they went through over the course of the last couple of seasons and now playing this 56-game schedule. Like you said, they don't have that luxury. Oh, they don't. Because David Poyle made so many moves last uh, this last offseason, though. He made it very clear that, you know, what has happened is unacceptable. I mean, he you know, to buy out four years of his uh, of Kyle Turris' contract, you know, let uh, you know, traded away Nick Bonino and Austin Watson, you know, guys that have been kind of pillars, you know, for the last few seasons. It's clear. It's not going to be accepted. So, uh, and guess what? If they don't make the playoffs this year, you know, David Poyle's tenure is something that you have to start talking about because, you know, he's a guy, he's, he, he's now has, you know, since Barry Trotz left, he's now on his second coach. Uh, he's the guy who's made all these moves. And, you know, he's the winningest GM of all time, but he's made it to one Stanley Cup final. So, to, you know, it, 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 that might be, if they can't get to the playoffs, then you might have to look at him and, you know, is it time to make a change by ownership on who's running this franchise? So, uh, you know, that's why, you know, there's a lot of stakes on the line for the Predators future. And it is important. The Titans are winning. You know, even though fans couldn't really get into the stadium except for 21% this season, the fact of the matter is, you know, fighting for dominance. Right now the Titans are the winning program, and the Predators are not. So they need to get their mojo back, and, and, and it all has to happen on the ice. Is Luke Kooning going to be any help whatsoever, or is he just Nick Benino 2.0 and we just needed a new face and he was the guy? Well, I, I think maybe a new face, um, and, 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 you know, we'll see how effective he is on the ice. They certainly seem to like him. Uh, so we'll, we'll just have to see what how that works out. Yeah, I, you know, it felt like some, at some point it felt like Poyle was just making moves just to make moves, and sometimes that's okay. I'm not, you know, knocking that necessarily because, again – a change of scenery, change of environment can be huge for certain players, and we've seen that in every sport. I'm just curious, you know, if it didn't feel like the Predators were trying to make big moves, they were just trying to fill a couple of um, role players with new faces just to see if they could provide a spark. And I guess that, I mean, when you you've had the success the Predators have had over the last couple of years in the playoffs two years ago in the regular season last year, it just felt like uh, this is a this is possibly the best move for Poyle and the Predators. Well, absolutely, and and here's the thing: I mean, Ryan Johansson has had production. You know, Forsberg, Arvidsson; these are still guys who should be booming and growing their careers. You know, they definitely had bad years last year. Um, 
but that's the thing, you know, and, and Duchesne, there's reasons why you sign them to long contracts. There's reasons why you've invested in them. And, you know, the, the, the top line last year when they reunited the Joker line, that wasn't the problem. And, you know, even bringing back Michael Granlin, you know, he also signed Eric Halla, you know, somebody who's a very, you know, a friend of, of Granlin. So, you know, and sometimes just working around those other pieces can, can make things work well. Um, you know, the second, the three, four, and, uh, the second three and four lines had to get better because they needed better production. Because when, when that top line was going out of the, uh, on, off the ice, they just weren't producing enough last season. So, you know, maybe these keep, these pieces, you know, changing scenery can sometimes be a real good thing for players as well. And it, and it certainly should send the message in that locker room. If it wasn't already, I keep going back to the first contract. When you buy out a four-year, four, a contract with four years left on the deal, and that was like six million a year, that was a big signal that you know if we're going to buy him out, you could be next. It's you know the the, the message I do think has been sent to, to to pick it up or else. And you know David Poyle didn't tweak around the edges as much as I think he wanted. You know because he talked all of youth movement when the season ended in August. But with a 56-game schedule, it's not a full season. So you do kind of need some more experience to help get you through the season. You just don't have the time to, you know, to develop. So they're going to keep some guys like uh, Tomasino and, and, and Tolvin around to, to see what they can do for them. But uh, we're going to have to, you know, guys, stay tuned. Uh, you know, can this team do it? Absolutely. When they're playing their best hockey, they can be among the best in the NHL. We just need to see it again, and we need to see it for 56 games. I, you mentioned that that second, third, and fourth line. I'm really curious about that fourth line because, as you said, experience bringing that is such a big thing. And Brad Richardson uh, brings experience and a Stanley Cup to the Preds fourth line. He'll be on that. Uh, he'll be on that line with uh, Sissons and uh, Jan Crooks. So I, I'm telling you, the Preds fourth line is going to be something to watch. I think. Um, I'll, I'll just be curious to see how how that one works out because I think Brad Richardson does bring experience and a little bit of success to that line, and hopefully that will be the the key, the difference. Oh, absolutely, and 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 let's not forget the defense got tweaked as well. Dan Ham Hughes uh, re- retired, and mm-hmm. you know they've they've got some more guys there, and 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 Dante Fabro, you know he's a guy that kind of an offensive defenseman lord knows they've got a bunch of those uh and, and whoever is in that they have to they have to play better defense in front of them because they did not do that not nearly enough this last season so you know you can't leave your goalies out to, to, to dry and they did that too often so uh improved defense more scoring it's a, you know, it's a combination that'll win you games Teresa, we can score from anywhere on the ice just ask uh pecorino <laughs> Exactly. You know, we can score from that, anywhere. He had that assist, or he had that goal, and it was just just over around a year ago, wasn't it? And, yeah. You know, it's amazing how time flies. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm super excited. And again, the Preds will open their season against Columbus on Thursday at Bridgestone Arena. So, really excited to get uh, to get that season started again. 56 game sprint. So we'll see how it works out, but. Uh, Teresa, thanks so much for hanging out with us for a couple segments today. We really appreciate your time. My pleasure, guys, and uh, stay safe. Stay warm. It's cold out there today. 
Yeah, it's about 25 here in Nashville, and I'm not. It, it may be colder where JP and Mo are because they've been getting snow that we haven't gotten up here. So I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so we will uh, we will come back and bring you the top five college football teams we've ever seen, and uh, I'm probably gonna make some folks angry this morning. So you might you might want to stick around with Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Stay tuned. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. school sports and beyond it's on southern middle tennessee sports today welcome back into southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid tennessee bone and joint chris yow mo pat and jp plant with you here glad that we finally got uh mo's audio feeling a little better this morning it was it was under the weather now feeling good feeling good last segment of the day mo can't hold anything back now exactly <laughs> and it is top five tuesday where we bring you our top five whatever you know today it just happens to be sports related because we watched a national championship football game last night and i am curious because so many people are asking <laughs> is this team the best college football team of all time well first of all nobody's going to be better than the University of the South. Because that run they had in the, what was it, the 30s, the 20s? I don't remember uh, what it was. Like was. The when, 1890s. University of the South was the eight. I don't think it was that. I don't it think a long it was time then. Ago, man. No, it may not be. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it was. Yeah, I think it's the then. 20s. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it was, I mean, I don't think anybody's ever going to, going to, I guess it was 1899. Look at there, 12 and 0. Mm. Yep, they beat uh, who was it? They beat Texas, Texas A&M, Tulane, LSU, Ole, and Ole Miss uh, in like seven days. So <laughs> you know, they yeah, went down to and, Texas and, sh- and took a train and beat everybody just, that would play them on the way back, and, and and didn't didn't give up a point. That's right, a single point. Isn't that where the, that where the phrase "undefeated, untied, unscored upon" came from? Uh, probably they the only points they gave up that year was against Auburn. They beat Auburn eleven to ten. So I don't think anybody's ever going to beat that run. But hey, it is what it is, guys. Are they in your look, top five? 
They are not in my top five we've ever, we've ever seen. Oh, okay. So these are in my lifetime. These are in my lifetime. Um, it's a little bit easier for Mo because, well, he's seen a few more teams than I have. <laughs> Actually, it's a little bit harder for Mo. <laughs> That's that could be true. Could be true. Uh, all right, you guys. Uh, you guys want to get started? We got we got the top five. Any any honorable mentions before we get going? I've got a couple of honorable mentions. Go I've ahead. Seen more teams than you have. Um, <laughs> The um, the eighty seven Miami team coming off of that loss to um, Tennessee in the in the Sugar Bowl the year before that was, is that um, was that Testaverde? Yeah, and when they um, beat Penn State, like they stole some. <laughs> beat Penn State. Yeah, and, yeah, you. And I think that ninety eight Tennessee team really gets overlooked. Um, I guess because Tennessee's done so little since. I don't know. I think they get overlooked because of Arkansas, right? I mean. That was a really good team, though, man. When you look back at, you know, some of the guys that were on that team and and what they went on and did professionally in particular, I think. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, the Arkansas game probably does take a little of the luster off of that. But I think a lot of times you have to have a lot of luck to win a national. You always got to have a little bit. Yeah, so. so, all right. What you, JP got any honorable mentions? Yeah, I got a couple. Um, Go ahead. The uh, 2018 Clemson Tigers, uh, fairly recent, but you know what they did it was pretty impressive in the way that they did it. Um, I think they got to go in there, and then the uh, 2009 Alabama Crimson Tide, the first of saving six championships at Alabama. I think uh, was a pretty impressive. Uh, their their best defensive team, I think. Um, at least what people think about that. And uh, their run by defeating, you know, that was when um, Florida and Tebow, they beat number mm-hmm. one Florida yep. in the SEC championship game, one versus two, I think. Um, Correct. And uh, so. Made Tebow cry. Yep. You know. Um, so, but anyway, that, I, I think that's an honorable mention there. I don't have any honorable mentions. So, Mo, go ahead. Number five. At number five, I've got the 13 Florida State team. That's a good one. That's a good one. JP? What was at that time a record 723 points? Hello? I didn't realize that. Yep. Uh, Yeah, they were good. Uh, My number five, the 1992 Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, Gene Stallings, of course, and the win. uh, You just, um, you know, in the Orange Bowl over Miami, and was it George T running down? Lamar. Lamar. Thomas. Yeah. Uh, the play that didn't happen because Copeland was offsides. So yeah, um, but uh, yeah, nineteen ninety two. That was that was a, that their defense um, stout. All right, well here you go, number five, two thousand fifteen, North Dakota State University. Absolutely insane football team, and not just because they beat JSU for the national championship. Loophole. That's the best J- loophole. By- by far the best JSU team I've ever seen in my lifetime, and Carson Wentz destroyed them. So, North Dakota State, 2015. All right, go ahead. That may not be the last team Carson Wentz destroys. God, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. God, that was Zinger good. at the 11th hour. I love it. Oh. Good job, Mo. See, that was worth the wait. All two hours, oh, all the technical issues, it was worth it for that. Well done. <laughs> Number four, guys. At number four, I've got the 95 Nebraska team. Um, 
who Tommy Frazier. There you go. <laughs> Average 38.6 points a game. All right. Uh, my number four, the 2004 USC Trojans. At the time, there was so much talk about this being the best team ever. I think a little overhyped, but uh, – they had uh, an impressive uh, two-year run, and this was the culmination. That 0-4 team uh, dominated uh, games and uh, was the clear best team. I'm with you, JP. Uh, number four, I've got 92 Alabama, Copeland, Curry, Teague, uh, Jay Barker, Lassick, and, of course, DP, the deuce, David Palmer. Mm. At number three, I've got um... – and I, and I don't want to be captive of recent recentivity or whatever the word is, but the nineteen um, the twenty nineteen LSU team. It's a really good football team. I'll agree with you. Six top ten wins. Mo, you can be one. captive to modern times all you want because I agree a hundred percent. My number three, the twenty nineteen LSU Tigers. That was special. Wow. What we saw last year, that was special. Really See, was I think special. that. Uh, I think the Texas game, kind of like the Arkansas game for 98, Tennessee, kind of. But what we saw was that offense was fantastic. I think the defense was struggled a little bit, but that's Texas was a top ten team, were they not at the point at that point? And LSU went on the road. It was week one. They went on the road to a top ten team and won. No, they did not beat a top ten team. Top ten teams are the teams that are in the top ten at the end of the year. You can't go off preseason rankings. All right, go back. Anyway. To, go back to your D two or FCS or BS, whatever, whatever national championship team you want to go with. Number three, two thousand. Go back to the Texas. minors. <laughs> two thousand five Texas, Vince Young, the best college football game in the history of college football. Hot well, money, you should say yeah. that. Because my number two <laughs> team is two thousand five Texas. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, 50.2 points per game, allowed 16.4. And like you said, Vince Young. Um, Vince Young was a 2005 version of Devontae Smith. I mean, he was just that dude that year. He was. I agree. All right. I, I'm not as high on that Texas team. Uh, for I, I don't know why. Uh, the game itself was incredible. The Rose Bowl, um, you know, the, of course, that USC Trojans team from 04 – uh, still largely intact, and what Vince Young did was incredible. And that's why I think yeah. that they're better than that 4 USC team. But that's that's the only reason I think that. And I, exactly and I may why. be missing the boat for whatever reason. That 05 team just doesn't trigger. It doesn't trigger my gut of one of the best teams. They could be an honorable mention, and I'm not going to argue against that. I don't have them in my top five. My number two is the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Wow! Right. <laughs> All right. Makes you wonder what my number one is now, doesn't it? it, it my number <laughs> my number two is the 95 Nebraska Cornhuskers. Tommy Frazier, man. That's your that number two? That team was unstoppable. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Well, Time for number one, Mo. Yeah, and clearly JP just stole my thunder because my number one is that 01 Miami team. 17 first-round picks on that roster. Okay, I'm not even going to let JP go here because also my number one is the 2001 Miami Hurricanes, and it's not debatable. So whatever he says, I, I is trash can juice. Throw him in the yard. Yeah. You know, today with the, with the snowmen. Today is trash day. Hey, I did. Maybe, I, maybe his number one is that North Dakota State team. With I, hey, maybe. <laughs> if it's not 2010 Auburn, I don't want to know what it is. 
Uh, no, it's not that Auburn. It's the one uh, coached by uh, Terry Bowden. No, I'm kidding. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say the People's National Champion right. 2004 Auburn Tigers. <laughs> no, my number one, uh, the 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers. What Tommy Frazier okay. did against Florida and the way they dominated, okay. um, it was It was yeah. out of this world. It was um, a thing of beauty. Yes. yes. It so it's clear that those two are the top two because they were both in our top fives. In, in our time, yes. That we win. I think it's uh, Miami and Nebraska. I can't, I, I I went can't back be mad forth. at you. I went back I can't and forth be mad on those two. I can't be mad at you at all. So there you go. I guess we'll have to uh, we'll we'll add the 2020 Alabama team in there and see if see if they get any votes. <laughs> that's who that's who will put us the third team. They'll get since, recent, they'll get some recent memory votes. We could go with four teams. We could go Nebraska, Miami, last well, year. We got to have other. And this year's Alabama. You got to have other. So we'll see what happens tomorrow 9 a.m. We will be back on the airwaves. If you missed any part of today's show, we'll have the podcast up. Teresa Walker, uh, Charles Pulliam, The Rundown, all of that will be available wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, sm-tnsports.com for local high school sports and news. And anything else that you can find, we would be happy to talk with you. Just uh, shoot us an email. Give us contact. Find us on Twitter at sm underscore t. That's right, WZYX, thank you. In Franklin County, we appreciate it. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Have a great day and stay cool, Columbia.